I'm inviting Lenny Conchwitz to come out. He's our preacher this morning. Uh, he has spoken to us before in uh, prior Sundays. Lenny is a missionary to Ireland, and he and Callie, his wife, and their son are living there. She's actually from the Orange Park, Fleming Island area. Many of you know uh, Callie's parents, the Thurmans, and uh, they're back for the mission um, uh, event we have going on today, and it's a real blessing to have Lenny come and preach for us this morning. So I hope you'll open your hearts to hear God's Word through him, and uh, I want to pray for you now, Lenny. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for your servant, Lenny. Thank you for his love for you, his knowledge of your Word the way that he has been used by you around the world. I pray that you would use him right now in our midst, that you would speak to us through him, that you'd open our hearts to understand your love for the nations, that you would stir up an even greater desire in us for mission. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Um, Thank you, everybody, for having us here on, on this special Mission Sunday and for giving me the opportunity to speak again. It's always a great joy and a great privilege. My name is Lenny, as you just heard, and I am originally from Germany. I'm not from Ireland. I live in Ireland, but I am from Germany. And um, that's why I don't sound Irish when I speak English. Um, I sound more like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I guess, to some of you, but although he is Austrian, okay? So don't mix that up, please. my wife Callie and I, we, we moved to um, Northern Ireland four years, over four years ago to help plant a church there, and I will share a little bit more about that in just a second. But yeah, we, we've just had such a wonderful time here over Christmas, spending just time with family and um, enjoying the wonderful food that, that exists in these parts of the world, and um, it's just amazing. It's such a treat to go to places like Target and um, <laughs> Hibachi Grill. Uh, St. Arbucks, you know, it's just beautiful. I just want to say that we're so grateful for this church, for all of you, and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of all missionaries represented here this morning. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so, so much for your commitment and for your prayers, for your support, your concern. That means so much to us. It can feel a bit lonely sometimes. Uh, in a different culture, in different lands where you don't know many people, where you don't have family. And you guys are like family to us, and we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And so today I just want to share a few words with you about uh, God's heart. And not just God's heart, but really God's passion and God's desire for the nations. And before we enter into that, I just want to ask you a simple question. If you don't feel comfortable answering, you don't have to. But who of you has Jewish parents. One person. Anybody else? Two. Three. Okay, well, that's already three more than in the previous service. There was literally nobody. (laughs) Now, you are a minority right now here, and that is amazing because what the Bible considers the nations is what the rest of us really are. So we are the fruit of somebody from the Jewish culture going into the nations to bring the gospel, following the command that Jesus gave them. So we, most of us here, except for those three people who have Jewish ancestors, we really are what the Bible actually considers to be the nations. So when we're hearing today about God's call to the nations, we we should really be thinking about, really about us, because we are here because somebody at some point obeyed that mission. 
it's just fascinating to think about this, that the gospel actually did not come from the USA, right, or from Germany uh, or Ireland. It actually came from somewhere else. Um, I just want to share a couple of minutes of an update of, of Ireland and the nations because there is a strong connection there. As I said, we moved to Northern Ireland, to Belfast, a few years ago to help plant a, a church, and our church is actually called Every Nation Church Belfast. Not only are we part of a global movement of churches called Every Nation, but we also gave us that name as a local church because we really believe that we have a calling to the nations from Ireland. We believe that there is a special purpose on the Irish to go and reach the nations. There is something in them, a passion that drives them to go into all the world. You only have to count the number of uh, Irish pubs that exist around the world, right? I mean, you can literally find them everywhere. <laughs> and that, I think it, there, is something, uh, there is something in them that just drives them to, to go and, and, and into the world. And also, coming from Europe, I'm, I'm so glad for the Irish because... After the collapse of the Roman Empire, which was just after 500 AD, so about 1,500 years ago, after the collapse of the Roman Empire, when barbarian tribes just spread all over Europe and created a big mess, there was this tiny, little, seemingly insignificant island called Ireland, on, up there in the north somewhere, where thousands of, of monks were trained. And they were sent all over Europe to bring the gospel to all those barbarian tribes. I'm sure my, my Germanic tribes, ancestors, they were somehow reached by those missionary monks from Ireland. And what a powerful heritage on the Irish people. So when we, when we moved to Ireland, it was really part of our passion and our desire to, to help the Irish reconnect with, with their destiny to carry the gospel all over the world. And um, it has been part of our mission as a church. As I said, the name of our church literally is Every Nation. We have a, a global, uh, we have an outreach to, to the, the refugee community in Belfast called uh, Global Cafe. This is one way of creating a, uh, an international mindset in our congregation, serving refugees from mostly from Somalia and Iran. And um, we also uh, started doing mission trips. We just had our first mission trip last uh, summer. We went to Albania, which was an amazing experience. Uh, we partnered with a local church there who, uh, and that specializes on, on serving the poor in the community and bringing the gospel to the poor. And one of the, the, the best aspects of our mission trip was that we took a team of about 10 people and they came from all kinds of different nations. We were from, from Germany, from the USA, Malaysia, Hong Kong, non-Christians and Christians joining a mission trip. How about that? And, um, and we had people from East Belfast and West Belfast join the mission trip. Now, let me just explain. There is a strong division in Northern Ireland between the Catholics and the Protestants, between the Irish and the British. And so you, you, you normally have um, West Belfast is, is, a, is a Catholic part of town, and East Belfast is the Protestant part of town, and you have huge walls built up to separate them and to kind of keep peace. They're called peace walls. And so we had people from both sides join our mission team to go and serve in Albania, which was such a powerful picture. And it showed me that as we step out to go into the world and, and, and bring the mission to, to um, join the mission to reach the world, it, um, 
It unites us. It doesn't matter where we come from. There's a spirit of unity created in our hearts as we step out. And I believe that unity is one of the main things that is on Jesus' heart for the church. And mission, again, mission is a powerful tool to create and enhance that spirit of unity in our hearts. There is something about it when you leave your old behind and you go together with somebody else into something new for the glory of somebody else and not for your own glory, but for the glory of Jesus. That's what makes mission so powerful. So I want to zoom in a little bit now and, and just share with you a few scriptures and a few things that God just put on my heart as we talk about God's heart and passion for the nations. And I want to answer the simple question, why, why do we go? Why do we bother, <laughs> in other words? Why, why do we go to the nations? Why do we leave our culture behind? Why do we leave our country behind? Why do we leave our family behind and go somewhere to another country to plant churches or do other amazing things that you can later visit out there in the Mission Expo? Why? And I think one simple answer really is because God loves the nations. And because he doesn't only love them, he actually owns them. They are his. I want to say that again. God owns the nations. God is not just some, some tribal God who, who chooses to, or, or who, who only has sovereignty and rulership over parts of the earth. No, God actually owns the whole earth. And he set the boundaries of the nations. It says in Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul preached a few sermons on that, where he helps us understand that God really is a global God. Jesus really is a global Lord. We just sang that beautiful song um, based on Psalm 67. And in that psalm, in verse 4, it says, God leads the nations of the earth. He is involved with them. When the Apostle Paul preached, he looked at the Gentiles in Athens and he said, listen, you may not know him yet, but in him you move and you live and you have your being. He is the life inside of you. He's the one who fills your hearts with joy. He's the one who gives you rain and sunshine. He gives more rain to Ireland than other places, but still. <laughs> God is involved in the nations. And we see that in, um, throughout the entire story, the narrative of the Bible. God is always choosing a few people to equip them to go to bless the whole earth. That's the whole point of Abraham, right? God, God chooses Abraham and he says, listen, I will bless you so that your offspring will be a blessing to the entire world. God's purpose of choosing and electing people and nations always is connected to a bigger picture, a bigger vision. That's so important to understand. It, it fits so well with the, the theme that you as a church have at the moment as well. I, I listened to Pastor Mike's uh, message last week about Vision Sunday and just the, the title of the theme at the moment called Abundance for Others. I love that because that's, that's how the kingdom works. God doesn't give us abundance to make us bigger and bigger and bigger, but God gives us abundance so that we can pass on to those who don't have much yet. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. God chooses us so that we go and bear fruit in the nations. And um, I love the direction that you're going as a church. I mean, it's just amazing going on the missions expo, seeing the different countries you're involved in. 
and just seeing that you already have such a strong culture of, of being involved in the world. It's very encouraging. And so we see from Scripture that God really loves the nations, and His whole plan of redemption is always for the entire world. And that's why when Jesus came and He started the ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, when, when He started the church, He basically started it not to exist for themselves, but to go into the entire world. The church exists to reach the nations. The church exists to reach the nations. It's an intrinsic part of the church's destiny to do that. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe some don't really believe that. Maybe, maybe we don't really see that, but... But I really believe it is one of the, the core reasons why Jesus started the church. It's because of the nations. Remember Pentecost. We just read Acts chapter 1, where Jesus said, Listen, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will receive power to be my witnesses here and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 2, we read about how this prophecy was fulfilled and how the Holy Spirit came in power upon the disciples and what happened? What did the Holy Spirit do when he fell on the disciples? By the way, that moment, that day of Pentecost, is considered to be the birthday of the church, in a way. That, that was the moment when, when the church really was born and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The first sermon ever was preached then by Peter. And what happened? What was the first expression of, of the Holy Spirit through the disciples when he came upon them? They started speaking in different tongues, in different languages. Those fishermen, country boys, uneducated, they probably, I don't know if they even spoke their own language properly, okay? So here the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in languages. And it was the festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. So they were Jews from all over the world passing through town from all nations of the then known world, and all of them could hear the miracles of God proclaimed to them in their own language. Somehow the Holy Spirit supernaturally communicated a multi-language sermon. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But what I find so powerful about this picture is that it really shows the, the desire of God to immediately get the message out there to immediately speak to all the nations of the world. The Holy Spirit didn't say, all right, disciples, come here. I, let, let, let's huddle up here. Okay, okay, make sure nobody else is listening. All right, I have, I have a special plan for you. No, the Holy Spirit comes and immediately the whole world hears about it. So there is this urge, this desire in the Holy Spirit to, to address the nations from day one, from second one of the church. I find that absolutely powerful and exciting. And I find it powerful too, again, that the Holy Spirit chose those unqualified people. They were not linguists, you know. <laughs> they weren't trained. They, they were just available. They were just open to be sent by God. There was nothing special about them. There was nothing special about the the island of Ireland, that little obscure little country. But God chose it to send thousands of monks across the world, across Europe. 
Maybe you think you're insignificant sometimes. But listen, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can impact the nations. It's powerful. And so we see that we go to the nations because God loves them, He owns them, He has a plan for them. We go to the nations because it is an intrinsic part of our destiny. If, we, if we're not outward focused, if we don't have the bigger picture of the nations, we're, we're, really, we're really missing out. We're really missing out big time on, on what is on God's heart. And then we go to the nations because, because Jesus Christ, the, the man God, Jesus Christ, part of the Trinity, right now, sits on the throne next to the Father in heaven and rules over the nations. See, this is the whole point of the ascension. That's why Jesus was lifted up to heaven right after he gave the announcement to the disciples because he needed to take his rightful place on the throne next to the Father as Lord over the nations. So as we sit here right now, and I know this might be hard to imagine sometimes, but here on this beautiful Sunday morning in Fleming Island, as we sit here right now, Jesus Christ is Lord over the nations. He sits on the throne as we speak, and he's exercising authority over all the nations of the world. He's Lord over USA. He's Lord over Germany. He's Lord over Ireland. He's Lord over, 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 over nations that may not reflect that lordship yet. But it doesn't change the fact that he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and he rules over the nations. And it is our job as his followers to implement that rulership and to reflect that rulership. That's why we are called the body of Christ, because we represent him as literally his body here on earth. It was that proclamation that Jesus is Lord over the whole world that got the first generation of Christians in trouble, by the way. It wasn't their hope in an afterlife in heaven that the Romans and Caesar were so worried about. They couldn't care less if the Christians believed in heaven. What they were so worried about was that there's this growing people group called Christians who are running around everywhere telling everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord over the world and not Caesar. And therefore, calling people to repent from idolatry and to put their faith and their allegiance to Christ and to, to, to worship Jesus. Now Caesar, back in the time, was actually called the Son of God as well. And when they heard that, they thought, oh my goodness, these guys are troublemakers, we must kill them all. And so you have the persecution of the Christians for, throughout the first century. So it is really that proclamation that Jesus is Lord right now that kind of threatens the kingdoms of the world. The idolatry that's happening in the world. But this is such an intrinsic part of our message. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, an Anglican priest from England, some of you may know him, he was asked, what would you say is a brief definition of the gospel? Just in few words. And I love it. He says, the gospel is the good news that the crucified and risen Jesus is the Messiah of Israel and therefore the Lord of the world. Jesus is Lord of the entire world. This is our message, our message of reconciliation and of repentance to people. 
You know, in the Old Testament, one of the prophets prophesied and said, the desire of the nations will come one day. And the desire of the nations is Jesus. Maybe the nations don't know it yet, but deep inside of their hearts, their true desire is for Jesus. He is the desire of the nations. His lordship is very desirable for the nations. And so we have the privilege to manifest the lordship of Christ in the nations. And it is a joyful thing. We have the, the privilege to bring peace, joy, righteousness. It's really an honor, but it also really can be a lot of fun. It's so good to join that mission. And I want to in invite all of us to really to be part of that. Let's not miss out on that. Let's be part to reach the nations. Let's get involved. There are different ways to get involved. You will see plenty of opportunities out there as you go through the, through the Missions Expo later after the service. You can joy, join um, prayer and care teams. You can get involved and help, help organize things from here if you're not able to go yourself to the nations. You can pray for missionaries. You can pray and, and, and support financially. Um, or you can go on, on mission trips yourself. I heard there's a Guatemala mission trip coming up and a Costa Rica mission trip. And, and again, I just want to commend you guys for, for being so involved already. Good, good job. And thank you for, for just all that you do already. And yeah, be encouraged. Be encouraged to join God's heart for the nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for giving us this joyful, amazing, maybe not always easy, but absolutely worth it privilege to go to the nations and to proclaim that that the desire of the nations is Lord of them. Thank you, Jesus, that you really are Lord. Lord, we love you. And we just ask for your presence, the presence of your Holy Spirit, even now to come. Even as we take communion later, I just pray for an impartation deep in our hearts, in our spirits, to really rise up and join the mission that you've called us to be part of. Thank you, Lord, for your desire for the nations. Come and stir it up in us this morning as well. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.